0: Hi, and welcome to The Escape Artist, a podcast for the culturally curious traveller. I'm Edwina Hart, I'm a travel journalist and photographer, and each week I'll be interviewing a special guest who has mastered the art of escape. We'll unpack how travel has influenced their lives and creative endeavours. This podcast is pure escapism for those always dreaming of their next destination.
1: My name is Jay Malone, and I am a traveller who loves the adventures of life and sees it through the power and the eyes of scent. Most of us immortalise our favourite travel moments with
0: a photograph, but my guest today captures the essence of a place by bottling it as a perfume. Jo Malone's extraordinary sense of smell made her one of Britain's most iconic figures in the beauty industry, and the scent of lime, basil and mandarin is still synonymous with her name today. It was an incredible success story. From modest beginnings, she rose to build her global fragrance empire. After enduring a five-year hiatus from creating perfumes, following the sale of her namesake brand, Jo Malone London, it was actually a tropical holiday that cured an artistic block – on the white, sandy beaches of Turks and Caicos, her latest passion project, Joe Loves, was born with a burst of citrusy pomelo. Her travel stories take us from the jasmine-scented streets in the south of France, to the Spice Sooks of Dubai, the mountains of Montana, and Jordan's ancient ruins. Here's Joe Malone, CBE. Hi Joe. it's such a treat to have you on the podcast. I'm so looking forward to uncovering your travel adventures through the lens of scent. How are you?
1: i'm good thank you edwin and and i mean what a joy to do this kind of interview just to, to talk about travel and adventures and um and boy have i had a few oh i'm so looking forward to hearing
0: them <laughs> but to begin with where in the world are you at the moment
1: i'm at home in london and it today it is going to be a very 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 hot day so we're we're getting all the terraces ready and um, just going to enjoy the the beautiful blue skies in London.
0: You're having a real heat wave, aren't you?
1: We are. <laughs> this weekend, it's 32. 32- I mean, I know in Australia, this is completely, um, something you're used to, but here in London, we normally have. Uh, a little bit of drizzle. But no, we've got five days of beautiful sunshine and you can just see people. It's so When the sun comes out, it makes everybody smile, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. So you're based
0: in London where your brick and mortar Joe Love store is. For those who are listening who have not visited
1: Belgravia before, what's that little pocket of London like? Well, uh, I had my first job in the shop that I have now, number 42 Elizabeth Street, when I was 16 years old. So I haven't really wandered that far away from retail. So at the time, it was uh, there was a little flower shop and a little delicatessen. It's Elizabeth Street is was then and is now a street of shopkeepers. And so there's the baker, there's the hat maker, there's the Italian deli, there's the, the ice cream parlor, there's the I'm the candle maker, and we are just we're all a group of people that love shopkeeping and love the products that we create. And it's just like, like you've walked down a little street in, in the south of France or Italy and the cobble streets and the umbrellas up and people, white tablecloths. And it has this just amazing entrepreneurial air to it and heartbeat.
0: And that's where the, all the shops are adorned with those silk floral decorations, like Peggy portion.
1: And like that's, (laughs) it's just one of the most beautiful streets in London, I think. Everybody makes such an effort, you know, and Peggy actually, in all fairness, she was one of the very first people to do it, and we learned from Peggy. You know, Peggy did this amazing kind of archway as she went and all pink flowers, and people from all over the world come and have their picture taken. It's the most Instagrammable place in London, really. <laughs> She's very, very clever. But we all learned from Peggy, and so we all make such an effort now. So my neighbour has got a beautiful uh, – we kind of border our windows and tell the stories of um of, of whatever – delights lie inside.
0: Oh, it sounds like such a special special place to have a shop. To begin with, I always ask my guests, and I'd be really curious to know your answer to this, is there a book, a film, a song, or piece of art that has inspired you to travel somewhere?
1: Well, I I love that question. I've never been asked that question, and I love it. Mm -hmm. And I could tick every single one of them. But I think think one of the books that's inspired me most, it was last summer I read it, which is called Last Year in Havana. And it's about three generations of women. And the way she writes about this place, I just, I've never been, I've never been to that part of the world. I just want to go. And she writes about the color, the texture, the smell. So it just, I read this book with tears running down my face because you just think how people fall in love with their country, even though some of it may be incredibly difficult, you know, to have lived through. Uh, but this, the, the strength of these women is, um, is absolutely unbelievable. Well, you're going
0: to have to get on a, a plane and, and go to Havana <laughs> sometimes. So I went
1: there last
0: year, I think, and, um, it'd been a place just because I'm a photographer, just from the visuals of oh. it, I just was so desperate to go before it changed and see all those old 1950s cars and the yes. pastel, huge, dilapidated buildings. I just loved it. It was amazing. So you're
1: definitely going to have
0: to, you're going to have
1: to go there, now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the- it's the colours. I mean, I look mm. at a lot of um, images. So I'd love to see some of your some of your work because I lo- it's so inspiring. And I know I'll stand there and I know I'll be able to tell the story through the sense of
0: smell. I did read somewhere that you, I mean, you've got this incredible sense of um, smell. You've got what they call the nose. And you also, you experience synesthesia. Is
1: that correct? Yeah. As a child, I thought everybody could smell in the way I could, hmm. and it wasn't until years and years later that I would be able to smell things that no one else could smell. Wow! Um, so, so my nickname in the house is Bloodhound. It's um, Bloodhound? <laughs> it's, I literally can smell like a do- like a dog smells. So, apparently, I have this. So, I my my senses are muddled. I'm horribly dyslexic, so I can't always tell the time. I can't tell my left and my right. I certainly can't fill out a form. I can't park a car. I can't do all of the normal things that people can do. But I see color and I smell. I smell instantly fragrances. Are completely. I don't think about it. It's completely natural to me. So when I'm in an environment of vibrant colors, my my nose is is doing all kinds of different things. So say
0: you go to somewhere like Havana or another place that you've visited yeah. where you've got those beautiful pastel colored
1: buildings and all the different colors. Is that just like olfactory overload for you? No, no 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 it's not I'm I'm kind of it's almost as though I'm listening to an opera oh wow and I'm ev- every kind of piece I see whether it's a, a crumbled wall for me that's terracotta and amber um if it's you know all those beautiful vibrant sort of ice cream sorbets that's what I'm probably smelling mm-hmm. so you know that lime green I'll probably be smelling like a fresh cut grass and a peppermint
0: oh my gosh
1: and it changes it's not nothing stays the same which is I suppose why I still am totally in love with what I do and are able to create things that are so different because of this childlike imagination that continues to run. So, um, have you ever seen that movie, Fantastic Beasts, where, um, Eddie Redmayne has this suitcase and he opens it and he mm-hmm. walks down into this. That's, that's where I go. My, that's my world is the sense of smell. And I, I'm able to lift the lid of, of a, a different world and see it from completely different perspective. Um, but sometimes music does it to me too. Because I've heard you in interviews
0: sort of describe the fact that the notes you're creating in a fragrance is like you're
1: writing a song. That, so there's sort of like a correlation between that for you? Yeah, I'm looking for the beat. I'm looking for, just as you would in music, listen, I can't play uh, any instrument at all, I wish I could, but uh, my instrument, I suppose, is my nose. So I'm looking for the beat. I'm looking for the bass um in a fragrance so fragrance is very similar to music and then you're looking for the bit that hooks you know what, what those first initial notes that you smell is often the beginning of a of a piece of music.
0: Can you think back to a time where you listened to some live music on the street or you went to
1: see an opera that was really vivid for you those smells? Um Classical music definitely does it to me and also jazz. I remember sitting in a bar many, many years ago when I lived in New York City, and it was a Sunday kind of lunch bar, and we were overlooking the water, and there was this wonderful soft jazz music. And my husband was saying to me, you're not listening to me, are you? are not listening to what I'm saying. And I wasn't. I was thinking about this kind of like rich charcoal smell of amber, crystallized amber, burnt amber. And it was the music was kind of influencing, and I could smell this like toffee, like caramel toffee smell. In the background as well. And so, um, yeah, I created a fragrance from that moment.
0: Oh my gosh, Joe, that sounds like such a gift. And, and what about if we delve back into your past? How do you think that your childhood shaped you in terms of your creativity? Where this sort of gift came from?
1: I had two incredibly creative parents. So my, my father was an artist and my mum was in the beauty industry, both very hardworking parents. Mm. So I think that's where my, my kind of resilience really came from. But as brilliant as they were, they were um, they they definitely lived in a creative world. So, from the age of eleven and twelve, it was up to me to put food on our table. So I was an adult from a very 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 young age. Mm. But saying that, I don't you know, there's nothing about it that I regret or would want differently.
0: So your your dad was a he was a painter. Um, do you think you're
1: inspired by him in some ways? Definitely. I mean, he was just one of the most creative beings. He was, he was a Picasso in a different form yeah. and in every, in every sense of the word. And I would go to the markets and I would set up the stall on a Saturday and a Sunday and I would sell the paintings and I would sell them through storytelling. So I would tell the story of the painting of the hmm. boat, the watercolor, you know, marine painting or the the flowers. He was, he was unbelievably creative, almost almost too creative for his time in a funny way Yeah, and he was never understood but I understood him I just loved my father I loved his spirit and I still have it today that respect for people that think differently and allow their creativity to sometimes not be very comfortable you know sometimes art is not always there for us to enjoy and look at Mm. art is telling you a story of someone's life or a recording history or doing different things and you're looking at life through their eyes and sometimes that can be uncomfortable.
0: Mm, that's a really interesting perspective and and obviously that creativity um, runs in your veins as well you know you talk about storytelling and how you developed that at a young age and I'm really interested to hear some of your your travel stories because I, I think you're gonna you're gonna really transport us to the places that you've been can you remember a, an early trip or a holiday perhaps as a child or later in life that truly began your life of
1: adventures yes it, it has to be grass. So, um, starting out in the very, very, very beginning, Gary and I were just married. We were the two young kids. We didn't have a penny in our pocket, and I, I was running a skincare clinic. But I knew I had something really magical in the sense of smell, and so we scooped this little pool of money together, got our plane tickets, and off we went to Saint Grasse, mm-hmm. which is um, right in the south of France, and it's the home of fragrance. And it's it's where it all began for me. It's the birthplace of perfumery, is that right? Yes. They used to scent the leather for gloves and handbags, but it was it still is. It still is very much the heartbeat of fragrance around the world today. So I remember arriving, and we got a taxi from the airport, and I remember opening the windows, and this the smell in the air all the way through our drive. Mm. And we stayed in this tiny little hotel up in the uh, up in the hills called the Hotel de Parfum. And it was horrible. You know, we didn't have any money at all. And the first evening, we went down to go and have some supper together. And I walked into this square. And it was terracotta walls and turquoise shutters. People's laundry was hanging out. There was this this unbelievable smell in the air. There was a little flower market sitting in the cobbles in the square. So beautiful. And Gary and I sat on the far side in this little brasserie. And we, and so as I'm telling you this right now, I'm there. I oh, can feel all the so emotions. I. <laughs> and I could tell you, I, I mean, I'm looking around and I can see the man who's got his French baguette wrapped in brown paper and he's walking off. And it was just, I'd never experienced anything like it. Anyway, we sat, we had steak frites and a carafe of rosé wine between us. And I just knew at that moment that I belonged there, that I'd either I'd either been there before but I felt this immediate sense of home and belonging and a vision I could feel it in my in my bones and I said to him I want to create fragrance and he looked at me and just said but you've got no training and I went I know it doesn't matter this is where I belong and I think that was the moment wow. like a calling it was just it was a sense of your soul belonging there I can't I can't even describe it um and I go back there many, many times. It's now very touristy. The square that I'm speaking about is non-existent anymore. And I remember returning back and weeping, sitting on the, on a wall, weeping, thinking, where has it gone? Where, where is it? And actually, as I went further out, I visited this little town called Moujon and Balbon. And that was where I found that feeling again. So, um, I go there three, four times a year and I go and sit. And I sit in a little coffee shop with my notebook and I've become that young girl again with all those dreams and I create. Wow. And if someone
0: was to, to visit there themselves, I mean, after your description, I think we're, we're all going to be wanting to go there. Is there a, um, a hotel or a place that you would recommend staying
1: that's really charming and romantic? It's called La Bastille mm-hmm. and it is a little, it's the, this little hotel in the center of Grasse. And you want one of the rooms that are, that are, have the double windows out onto the garden. And there's a little cat that sits on the, on the rooftop. And then when you open your windows in the morning, she comes in, she sits on the bed and chats to you. Oh. And you look out, you look out over the center of grass and you can smell the fragrance industry come alive. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. What sort of fragrances are coming through in the air? Well, you have the rose, the Maya in May. So you, um, you know that's where you you get this amazing you get orange blossom so my two favorite things in the world are orange blossom and jasmine and of course they're in abundance but you can smell it in the air so you'll sit you'll sit in the hotel in the morning and have the most delicious breakfast you know homemade croissant coffee the french do it like nobody else in the world and you sit there and you can smell all of the all of the um the essence in the air it's it's heavy and heady but it's dreamy you feel like you're sitting in an impressionist painting it is i i defy you not to feel creative sitting there and then in the evening you come back after sometimes your nose is really tired from working and i sit there under the trees and it's hot and i pour every single thought onto a piece of paper and it's just i, I know i know that your listeners will just love it it is it is truly what what grass is all about
0: Oh, you've really painted such a picture. And that obviously, if you're working in the um, perfume industry, it's a place to go to. But just for anyone else interested in a beautiful holiday, that sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, before this, before you got into fragrances, how did you get into the world
1: of cosmetics? What's the story behind that? So my mum worked for an amazing woman called the Countess Slovati. I met her when she was in her early 70s but she was my, one of my best friends. I know it sounds bizarre at the age of six or seven, but I would go and sit in the laboratory with her and my mum would work and I would watch this woman make face creams. And what I noticed is that I could, even at that young age, I could copy her from the sense of smell. So I couldn't read the labels on the jars, but I just needed to lift the jar. And they were all in these, all the ingredients from these big glass, like sweet jars in mm. a white, completely white laboratory. And I would be able to mimic whatever she made. Uh, my first uh, mask I made was sandalwood with slippery elm and Chinese camphor oil and honey. And I made it. I was about seven, eight years old. And I handed it to her in the pestle and water. And she looked at me and she said, remember, Joe, if you can't do anything with brilliance, don't bother doing it at all. And that stayed with me all my life.
0: Mm. I mean, just to have someone like that in your life to to give you that advice and then to carry it through like you have and obviously reach such levels of success like you have um, with the fragrances that you've created. But it hasn't always been smooth sailing for you. You, you did have a, a little bit of a hiatus for five years after um, you sold your company, Joe Malone. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about that period, because that must have been really difficult for such an obviously creative person who's got like endless
1: imagination and possibilities absolutely so i left joe malone and i left for all kinds of different reasons but one of the main ones was i had fought cancer for a year i wasn't sure it was going to come back and i didn't want to spend my life not with my family and running around the world opening shops so that was one of the reasons but as i started to leave those days running up to it i knew i'd made the biggest mistake of my life i could feel that it wasn't a job or a business it was my best friend Mm. But I'd signed the deal and I had to walk away. So that five years was one of the worst five years of my life. I just lost who I was. I didn't know who, who I was going to be ever again. Was I ever going to create? So for five years, I didn't create fragrance at all. Wow, that must
0: have been torture.
1: It, it was, uh, I mean, now when I look at it, God, I've turned it around. I'm, I'm living my best life right now. So, and I wouldn't be living that. I don't think. Mm. So I decided I was too young to, uh, sit there and moan and, and regret and I was too old to really start something completely from scratch the only thing I knew I knew I could create pregnancy like no one else in the world so I went back to it uh but of course it didn't come back naturally and then I got incredibly anxious and and uh I felt I'd missed my moment in life and I, I, I know your listeners some people will connect to this and you just feel I like I made a mistake I it, it's never going to come back. And do you know what? I'm telling those people right now, it does come back. You just have to find it again. You have to fall in love again. And I did. So I went, uh, I I couldn't create, I could create fragrance, but I couldn't create memorable fragrances. I'd lost my Joe touch. That's that's the only thing I can describe it as. So I went to this amazing place called parrot Key in the Turks and Caicos. It was a desert island, just a brasserie shack and your villas and a white beach. And I would walk up the beach every single day and I was crying. I was walking up the, up the beach crying, saying to myself, God, you know, I just, why can't I create? Why can't I, Where is it gone? And as I looked down in the water beside me, there was a baby stingray and she was swimming. And because it's behind a coral reef, there's very little tide. And I stopped and she fluttered in that she stopped. And then as I walked, she swam all the way down the beach with me, just side by side. It was almost as though life was saying you don't own creativity it's like that stingray it's right beside you right now right at this minute it just wants to mimic your emotions that's it you're trying too hard to, to recapture it and the minute it sunk in i created again and pomelo was the first fragrance and i looked up i saw the white rolled towels i saw the fizzy water i looked at my flip flops. i had a white swimsuit on at the time my, my skin was sort of slightly tanned. I could see the, the sand dollars sitting in the sand, which is like these big white shells. And everything just came together. I'd do it straight away. And that was pomelo. So pomelo is my fragrance of another chance, another beginning. And, you know, sometimes in life where we lose ourselves and we're really frightened that we'll never find it, you just, you have to push through that fear. You have to push through that. And often it's just the other side of the door. You just have to have the courage. And sometimes the the door will snap back and hit you in the face. You know what? Push it again. Push it again. It's just the other side of the door. I really love the fact that you overcame
0: that creative block that you had by going on a trip. Like that works so well for like the whole theme of of this podcast is the link between travels and creativity. And that story you just told just is the epitome of that. Do you feel that the travels have really influenced the fragrances that you have created over the years? Would you say that's an
1: overarching um, form of inspiration for you? I mean, totally. When I'm near water in a funny way that's where I'm most creative I don't have to think about those ideas they just come so often when we travel everything that we live with in four walls is is gone for a moment in time it's like looking down a kaleidoscope and every time you turn it it changes that's what travel is to me Mm. another kind of pomelo moment was uh I was in Montana riding I we ride every year in a ranch called mountain sky wow
0: like a whole and, cowboy sort of experience yeah oh cool <laughs> very cool joe you have such an eclectic
1: range of experiences don't you <laughs> oh, i love i literally love actually any animal i, I yeah. i'm very happy it's people i sometimes have the problem with uh, <laughs> but but uh, anyway uh, we uh, we've been doing this since my son was five and we fly into bozeman and a car picks you up and you drive down the yellowstone river and you go up into the mountains, uh, into the ranch and the ranch is there's no wifi. There's no TVs. We all have little lodges with fires in them because it sometimes gets cold in the evening, but you're in the mountains. So you might see a bear come down and, and walk through, or you might, um, you know, you, you it, it is, it is mountain country, mm-hmm. but it is one of the most magical places I have ever been in my life. And I never, it feeds my soul. That week feeds my soul. Uh, and you go right up into the mountains and you might see moose or you might see, uh, buffalo or, you know, all kinds, rattlesnakes, all kinds of things. And you all go off. Then you, you come, you, you meet somewhere on the mountain, you have your lunch and then you ride out again in the afternoon. So it's, you're in the saddle for about four to five hours a day and you have the same horse. So one particular year, again, I was having this real anxious moment and anxiety is Part of my creative world. Uh, I, I've accepted it now, and it, it comes whenever it chooses to. Anyway, I was I was finding it very difficult to talk to people, but when I was on the horse, and I found my breathing pattern wasn't right. Anyway, whenever I was on my horse, Josie, I was okay. So one uh, one morning up he went very early in the morning, and they have something called wild sage. And as Josie's hooves were going through this uh, field, the smell was breathtaking. I can't tell you. And then when we got to the top, there was this shingle drop and we had to get down there. And I'm not a experienced horsewoman and I couldn't get down. Mm. And the cowboy had gone down with all the group and I was sobbing, thinking, I'm going to, I can't get the horse down and I can't get myself down and I don't know what to do. So the cowboy comes up, luckily very good looking, Brian comes (laughs) up and he said, that's essential for this story. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was very good looking. Um, So he said, um, he said, Joe, trust the horse. She knows. And he looked at JC and he said, JC, Joe, Joe's really scared and she can't get down. He said, loosen the reins and pat her and tell her. Well, I did. This horse, I never did a thing. She got me down. And when I got back to the ranch, I got off the horse and I felt, I felt a spiritual moment had happened. And this horse walked towards me and put her whole head into my stomach mm. and she stood there enough to say, it's okay. It's all right. We're okay. And from that minute, I was, I'm never scared again. So there's so many wonderful moments. And you created a fragrance from that experience. Yeah. Called smoke, come and leather. So smoke, come and leather is the leather of the saddle. It's the, it's the burning. It's got the wild sage in it. And it's got the spirit of Josie that helped me. It's, it's a strong, powerful. It's not from the faint hearted that one. It's a moment whenever I smell it. I think of that horse. She's now a very old male, a bit Mm. like me. And (laughs) I always go and see her and I stroke her and she knows me and I know her. So it's all these, all the, you know, the fragrances I create have all got very emotional stories. It's like you bottle those experiences and then
0: we all, by smelling them, get to sort of share in them with you. You know, that's like an experience that's so, you're so immersed in nature. Are you someone who's drawn to nature or have you got a
1: a favourite city that you love? Um, I love nature, but I'm not, as I said, I'm not the bravest person in the world. So I, I kind of do like four walls and white sheets. So I've got to be really honest. Uh, favorite city. I lived in New York for a long time and New York's got hundreds of hidden gems, but I think one of them is an art gallery called the Noy, Noy Gallery. Mm-hmm. And it's up on, uh, Fifth and I can't remember the cross street, but it's, it's right on the corner. Upper East Side, right? Upper East. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's right by the park. So if you've been in the Mets, you just cross over, and it is. It's owned by Ronald Lauder, and it houses some of the most amazing art. So my son and I adore art galleries, and we will walk around for hours and hours. But within this particular gallery is a painting called "Woman in Gold" by Gustav Klimt. <sighs> my God, I just—if ever I had dinner with four people in the world, I'd love to sit and hear her story because this woman she's so beautiful and he paints women with these blocks of color but of course she is painted with blocks of gold and Mm. we sat there joshie and i and we looked at this woman and i wept and so did he and i said what are you crying for and he said can you imagine what this painting has seen and i I was feeling exactly the same emotion Mm. and i I actually created um joe by joe loves a fragrance for myself and i took all the the blocks of gold, and when I looked at her, all I could smell was grapefruit, mm. which for me is the store, it's the scent, it's the ingredients of life. Grapefruit, citrus, it brings life, it brings calmness. But it's there's so many citrus notes, so I threw as many citrus notes as I could find at Joe. By Joe loves it's in a red bottle. Mm. And it is based upon the emotions I felt watching, uh, and looking at the painting Woman in Gold. I have, um, I have been to that gallery and that painting just stirs all these emotions. Yeah. It's kind of,
0: it's such a small little gallery and then you get up to that top bit with, with that painting and <laughs> you could sit for hours there and then they've got that, um, it's like a little cafe, Cafe Sabaski,
1: down the bottom where you oh. have like the, have you, have you been there? I was about to say you, you have to go and do the gallery, then you sit in it, because it's a little like, um, A Viennese coffee shop. Mm -hmm. It's a proper, and they they serve the best sacher you've ever had. Yes,
0: I love. I used to go there. (laughs) I lived in New York, and I used to go and eat that. And it's like you're transported just through (gasps) one bite of that cake, and the and the Viennese coffee, and they do a great hot chocolate too, don't they?
1: They do a good cocktail.
0: I like a cocktail as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's one of my um favorite little places when I was in New York that I discovered. And it's sort of it's so quiet. It's like there's not there's not that many people who go there. The people who who go there um aren't just trying to tick off a tourist thing. They're going there because they you know they want to learn more about or they really appreciate that German Austrian art. Yeah.
1: It, it honestly it was so. I, I feel emotional. Art makes me emotional. It, you know, it just does something to all my senses, and uh, especially, mm. especially that painting. And what about other places in the world that you go just to experience the art or the architecture? Venice. We went to Venice just recently, and we stayed in. Um, it's so funny. We stayed in the Daniele. Oh, that's such a beautiful hotel. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, I'm jealous. No. <laughs> I honestly, we had this most beautiful room overlooking the canal. And my son had the room next door and we would go out and honestly, we were just, we were so taken with, it was like being on a film set. And then every morning I would open the windows and I could smell the, I could smell the coffee and breakfast going on a, on the balcony, uh, restaurant. Mm. And we would just see all the boats coming in and the, and the, that just life coming. And you can imagine what it would have been you know, with the gondolas and everything all those hundreds of years ago. Mm, so, so true. Um, but one of our favorite things, we went out for dinner one evening, we went up the main canal and all those beautiful houses that were still complete, really, houses and all the lights on and the candles burning. And my son said to me, Mom, it's like a movie and we're just driving through this heart of it. And, yeah, that, so wherever we go, we find, we appreciate. Our, but it doesn't matter where we are. I remember going into Dubai and just walking into a marketplace and just appreciating art and the artist, whoever is painting or, you know, because, again, they're telling you stories of their life. Mm. And Dubai, is that somewhere that you go often as well? Dubai is somewhere I go back to time. I went there many, many years ago with um, a friend of mine that lived there, and I fell in love with Dubai. I still, I, I just love every single minute I spend in that country. Some people call it a
0: Disneyland and and then it's very glitzy and glam and and it can be quite over the top. But then there's also you can get the Abra or the wooden boat over to the old quarter. Have you done that?
1: So I don't see the glitzy side. I do all the things that... I find emotionally, I connect with, so getting the little boat and going over to the markets and smelling the spices. And, Those souks are um, sort of
0: piled high with with oh, the spices and the dried rose petals and
1: the glittering gold. I mean, they're so beautiful. But I love things like the bakors they have. Do, do, do you know what that is? No. It's like a, it's the most amazing. So every, well, most families will have these and it's like a thing that they burn as you go into the house and every family will have their own formulation of that they burn like this wooden these wooden stones and it's called a bakur and it and you'll know the family by the smell and each family hands their uh anyway i have one and i have my own formulation oh i love that so we often we burn a bakur here but when a when a woman's getting married her whole body will be scented with amazing oils and so it's just like this encyclopedia of senses for me from the food uh, then you go out into the desert and you watch the sunset over the desert, which is one of the most beautiful things you can ever do. And did you ride a camel? Yes, I've ridden a camel. I was very at home on a camel. It looks more fun than it than it is,
0: though. Like, I feel like I always find myself whenever I'm on assignment and covering these sort of exotic deserts and places, <laughs> I always end up on a camel. And at the beginning, think, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. And then
1: I forget that at the end of the day, you just kind of get a bit of a sore backside
0: <laughs> after an hour of sort of
1: plodding along through the desert. Yeah, getting up and going down are the dangerous bits, aren't they? Yeah, yeah um, it's true. One of the most amazing things in Dubai is the literary festival. So I went for a whole week. And it was, I remember poetry in the desert, all carpets and beautiful fires burning. And we listened to poetry under the stars. Oh, what a setting. That's one of my magical memories. And honestly, I've had so many adventures, whether that's climbing a mountain or being with my elephants. But um, I'm quite curious as to what you mean by with your elephants. <laughs> well, so a couple of years ago, this is this is a recent adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son was going off to uni and he said, can we have an adventure, family adventure, something we've never done before? And I'd read this amazing book called There's an Elephant in My Kitchen by uh Francois Anthony. Mm-hmm. And she she writes about this incredible conservation project. In a place called Tula Tula in South Africa, where they rescued 25 years ago, nine rogue elephants. Mm. And, uh, so we, we decided that we'd go and we'd visit and off we went. And I, I'm not very good with creeper coolies and things and roughing it. Yeah. But in we went and we went into this conservation project. We were met by the biggest rhino you've ever seen, uh, called <laughs> Tarbo. But as we came through the gate, they tried to charge us. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a an awaken, an awakening with, for me without a doubt because I'm I'm probably not the bravest person in the world. One one of the things your uh, one of one of your questions you asked me was is, is along the lines of what's the worst what's the thing that's taken you to the edge? Yeah, and that would definitely have been camping in Tula Tula when the monkeys ransacked my and the and the baboons chased me. Oh, that gosh. Would, that took me nightmare way out of my comfort zone. And in fact, I cried. I packed up and said, I, uh, and the monkeys took all my belts, my face cream, oh, and they were all Joe. sitting in the trees looking at me and laughing. And I burst into tears, grabbed my pillow and said, I want to go home. Oh, and um, I had to go to the main, main camp with four walls when I felt really safe. So anyway, we, we, the following day, we went out very early in the morning, got in the truck. The smells, by the way, when the, um, when it all wakes up is just unbelievable. And then suddenly, I could smell a smell that I had never smelt before. And can you believe it? It was the elephant. Oh, okay. And it, it was this useful, warm, um, I can't even describe it, it, but it was, it was an earthy smell, but a clean, a really clean smell. And round the corner, there they were. And from that minute, I just fell in love with these elephants. And I think they fell in love with me. They knew who I was. They, uh, they came, they come very close to the truck. They mm. smell you. They sniff you.
0: So you're both there sort of smelling each other as a a way
1: of greeting and getting to know each other. Well, apparently elephants never forget your smell ever. And the day that we left, the day that we left, we, uh, they all came to the house and the whole herd. And I cried and I wept. And uh, we decided that as a family, this will become our conservation project. So they they are our family. Oh, and, Joe, um, that's beautiful. <laughs> You're making me feel like crying. I love elephants so much. They're such beautiful creatures. There's so many magical moments. You go out twice a day in the truck and you see the elephants every day and the rhino. So Tarbo will come up and Tarbo was raised by humans. So he's not scared of humans, but, you know, a, a two-ton rhino heading towards you. So he'll come and you'll scratch his ears. You'll, you have to stay in the truck. But he loves human contact, so he'll follow the truck. And then sundowners, which are literally some of the most beautiful moments I can remember. Mm. I did notice throughout the
0: stories that you've been telling, you know, you'll bring up something that you ate or a nice breakfast or a moment around coffee or cake or something like that. Just the sense of smell and taste, they're so intrinsically linked.
1: Presumably that makes you a real foodie as well. Oh, I love, I mean, I love cooking Mm -hmm. and I love ingredients and I love learning and i think when i went to thailand many many years ago that was when i fell in love with food mm. and thai food is is particularly fragrant with all the herbs and everything that they're using in oh, it the the freshness and yeah. we went there for an indian wedding and it went on for 10 days and it was magical where in thailand are you phuket in the amporn puri oh gosh oh it was <laughs> it was beautiful cuz that hotel is like a
0: tropical paradise hidden away amongst coconut groves or the shores of the adaman sea i mean it's just gorgeous and so you're sitting there and you were what What were you eating at this hotel
1: so they had well that the, they came out we had a whole lot of people for lunch so we were drinking lovely ice cold rose I, I should i should think uh and it was a pomelo and cashew salad with like grilled chicken and then they'd done these amazing vegetable thai dumplings but everything was so light everything had this citrus uh kind of feel to it and then at the end they came in with this big plate. And they had shaved mango into the thinnest slices you can ever imagine. But it was like a carpaccio of mango and they had grated lime over the top and a spice Yum. and lime juice. And that was our dessert. And actually I, we just relaunched a fragrance called mango and Thai lime. And it's based upon that moment uh. where Oyen King bought out mango and, and it, when you smell the fragrance, it's the smell of summer. It, uh. You smell it. You smell the honey mango. You smell that that wonderful cologne note that lime gives you and this wonderful, like, fresh ginger just in the heart of it, some slight white freezer notes in it, and it you smell it and you feel yourself smile and think, that's holiday. Oh. That's the smell of summer
0: holidays, and that was Paquette. Yeah, whenever I go, I always order that mango sticky rice. The, the mangoes there are particularly special. I haven't been able to recreate it at home, but they drizzle it with the coconut, and it's one of my favourite desserts, I think it's, it became one of our favorite things. And so stayed with us. Oh, I love that. Um, What about, so you've got so many sort of stamps in your passport. Have you, have you got a secret place that you've
1: discovered on your travels that you would be happy to share with us? I think one of the places, I wouldn't say secret, but I don't talk about it a lot. I don't, I don't know why. I went to Jordan many years ago and uh, it was just one of the most. Going to Petra, uh, and at that time, I was able to go down by horseback. I mean, I'm talking now, probably 30 years ago, so a long, long time ago. Mm. And we went down the Sikh in, in horseback, and it it struck it. It was such a powerful, a powerful thing in Jordan. So pe- most people will visit Petra or they'll go down to the water to Aqaba, mm. but there's a place called Jerash, and it is one of the most complete Roman uh cities and it's a ruin and we took a picnic and we sat and as the sun went down we sat in the city of jarash in the ruins and had a picnic and you walk down the streets and you can see where the chariot wheels it's like it is like literally walking back in history and you can see some of the little shops i remember walking into this one particular space and it was a ruin and I felt this I felt that feeling like I felt in grass. And I said to the guide, I said, um, oh my God, I feel I feel like I connect this. And he said, uh, this would have been the quarter for the 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 palace and you could very well be sitting in the apothecary. <gasps> uh which would have been I know, no, I'm not. I'm not. And it had like marble slabs that would have been the walls. And that was a really I don't think I've shared that story before. Um, but when you asked that question, I it was like, that was a moment that most people would say, of course it wasn't, absolutely. But for me, something happened again, like in, like when I stood there and he said, because the perfumer would have been part of a royal court. Mm. They were an important part, you know, fragrances so much more, uh, was so much more important in that, in that moment in history. Mm. And, uh, a, a royal perfumer would have been the ones blending and, Maybe burning the things for that bakura I was telling you about. So Mm. I could very well have been standing a thousand years ago in the same
0: same shoes. It's really interesting when you tell these stories because as a writer, I often will travel to places and maybe follow in the footsteps of, uh, of a famous writer that I admire and, and, and go, mm. like, say, Hemingway's house in Havana and, and see where they, they lived and worked and, and to seek inspiration myself. So it's it's really fascinating through looking through your lens of scent that through history you're, you're going to places where it's a birthplace of perfumery or where it's had mm. this really strong connection it's really special that you're you're sharing that with us um is there a place that you're
1: dreaming of escaping to next one of the places i really really want to visit for the again for that food and and smell is india mm. i want to go and see the cut because it's the color you know i want to i want to experience for myself the taste of the you know the food and the the amazing, you know, Indian Jasmine is some of the best in the world. So I'd love to go and immerse myself in the world and see what we could create. One of my
0: favourite hotels in the world is the Taj Lake Palace in Udaipur, which is in Rajasthan, oh. And it's straight out of a fairy tale. And, um, you know, not only is it in the middle of, of this lake, the scent of the corridors is pure jasmine, just fresh jasmine. Oh. I think, Joe, you're going to have to go there. And then I want <laughs> to smell the fragrances that you bottle
1: from that experience and your travels there. Oh, I'm visualising it right now. And I can feel my but that creativity and that inspiration like yep that's the place that's where you're meant to be oh,
0: joe thank you so much i've really really enjoyed this conversation and i don't think that i'll travel anywhere without giving some extra thought and attention to the sense that's around me you've really inspired me oh thank you that was perfumer, jo Malone, CBE. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. You can visit the Joe Love store online or if you're in London, why not wander down the ever so pretty Elizabeth Street and pop by her boutique in Belgravia. And thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that others can discover this podcast as well. Of course, I'd love to hear from you. And if you're looking for some more travel inspiration, you can find me on Instagram. Instagram at Escape Artist Podcast. See you next week for another episode of The Escape Artist.